T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Well, hey there, folks. Uh, thanks for being here on a Saturday evening. I uh, want to let you know that we got a lot going on this hour. As I said earlier before, we are going to have an extended interview with Dean Phillips, who is the Democratic nominee in the 3rd Congressional District. Uh, we've offered this to all of the people, all the candidates running in these important congressional races uh, that are really uh, – could end up deciding who is in control of Congress and so we are going to have an extended interview uh, a couple of weeks from now with his opponent, the incumbent, uh, Congressman Eric Paulson. Uh, I do want to let you know that we are also going to have a brief interview with Congressman Paulson later on in this hour about very specifically uh, the controversy surrounding an ad that he is running. This is his own ad. It's an ad that his campaign has come up with. Uh, talking about uh, Dean Phillips' uh, role at the Alina board uh, and contending that Alina board members, including Mr. Phillips, uh, did nothing and took no action in the face of, of sexual harassment. The ad has gotten a lot of criticism, not just from Mr. Phillips. What is extraordinary about it is it also has been criticized by other board members who are not affiliated with the Phillips campaign. Uh, among those who have spoken out publicly, uh, the attorney for the women involved uh, saying that uh, she, he, um, that Mr. Paulson is using her clients as props. And you also had criticism coming from Bill George, who is the former CEO of Medtronic. He is also a former chair of the Alina board, and he's a tenured professor at the Harvard Business School. Again, these are people who are not affiliated with – the Paulson or, or the Phillips campaign, and they are coming out criticizing Eric Paulson's ad. That is very unusual. I, I can't really think of another time that that's happened when you have people who are um, very prominent and also to have the attorney for the victims in this case coming out and sharply criticizing the ad and uh, expressing anger and frustration uh, in what she saw as uh, – Congressman Paulson using the victims of sexual harassment in this case as political props. And that those are her words uh, exactly. But right now we have Dean Phillips live in studio. So thank you so much for coming on. Great to be here. I did, I did want to set it up uh, that way because I want to let people know that we – what we're doing, um, we will have Congressman Paulson on for an extended interview uh, in a couple of weeks. We will have him on later this evening to talk specifically about this controversial ad. Let me ask you – we want to talk in general about the campaign, but let me ask you about this particular ad because um, it's running a lot. <laughs> it is and it's terribly dis- – it's more than disappointing. It's appalling uh, and I know Congressman Paulson knows that and it's beneath the, dig- the dignity of a sitting member of the United States House of Representatives to disseminate not just uh, a lie uh, but to do so in such a collective fashion that it offends uh, all of those who participate in community service and – 
and even the women that uh, brought that suit against Alina. Uh, and I want to point out that these allegations are always serious, and I've always made it a hallmark of my service in both our community and at the businesses I've run to uh, ensure that we have cultures that are respectful uh, and always afford uh, mechanisms by which such allegations can be heard and uh, and aggressively pursued whenever they're called to our attention. So I take it personally, uh, as I think uh, people would understand. Right. Um, did you even know about this lawsuit at the time? You know, Esme, it, it, it's 11 years ago. Uh, as, a, as a member of the board at Alina, you can imagine uh, a lot of issues are brought to us all the time. I do not distinctly remember that. Uh, in fact, I've done some due diligence since this has come to light. Uh, and I see there was one article in the Star Tribune back in 2007. Uh, that's all I've been able to find. Uh, and it does not diminish uh, how important that was. Uh, but I do not remember it specifically. What I do now know is that management handled it, I think, quite appropriately. Uh, the physician in question was terminated uh, immediately, I believe, upon uh, uh, being uh, made – when Alina was made aware of the situation. Uh, and um, and that's, uh, that's what I understand. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the other issues because it looks like your campaign, as I said, you know, in the lead into this, it looks like, according to the two polls that I've seen, that you appear to be ahead in this race. The New York Times poll had you up by about nine points. It's been a few weeks now. Things can change. And you do have same-day voter registration here in Minnesota. So there's a lot. And polls are often wrong in this state. How do you feel the race is going? And do you feel that you are ahead? I feel great. You know, I'm not a politician. This is the first time I've run for office, uh, and it has been a remarkable and very joyful journey and, and, and a wonderful experience. Uh, I cannot ascertain where we stand in the race. Of course, the polls show us uh, in the lead. Uh, no matter what they say, I'm going to run like I'm 10 points down. Uh, but I'll tell you what's on my mind is uh, this is not the first ad that Congressman Paulson has run that has been either misleading or downright false. Uh, in fact, WCCO-TV and CARE 11 uh, have pointed this out. Uh, and that's on my mind. I, I believe it's time that our country start protecting voters uh, from misleading advertising the same way we protect consumers. Uh, and I'm going to elevate this issue, hopefully as a member of Congress, should I have that honor. Uh, but either way, I, I, I do, this whole experience uh, has begged for a change in how we conduct ourselves uh, as candidates. Uh, and I think it's time for voters collectively uh, to demand uh, uh, a different standard uh, of how we articulate facts uh, because if we fall into a circumstance where our country cannot ascertain truth, uh, we are in trouble. Uh, so my mission has been elevated considerably uh, beyond just this campaign specifically. And I want to play a role in doing better by everybody. And, you know, I my colleague Pat Kessler does a wonderful job doing the fact checks. I, I do know that he did fact check one ad uh, from Congressman Paulson in which uh, Pat himself was actually in the ad and I do know that that Pat, uh, in his reality check segment, uh, did say it was wildly misleading because it the ad made it appear as if Pat was endorsing Congressman Paulson, which is not the case. And uh, the attribution for the little snippet that uh, that was used by Pat had the attribution taken off. And in other words, it was wildly out of context. So I do know about that uh, as well. One of the things that you have really campaigned on is the issue of. Uh, Big money in in politics uh, is that re- tell us about your position there and is that resonating with voters as far as you know it is as may in fact uh, when I first started my campaign over a year and a half ago uh, I that that was the hallmark uh, of this entire campaign was my belief that it is time to address uh, special special interest money in politics uh, time to reduce the influence of affluence in our Congress uh, and time to address the you know, I would call it 
a culture of corruption uh, that has become quite pervasive in Washington. And many advised me, some smart people told me that that was not a winning issue, uh, voters don't care, uh, but I've made it my most important issue. And I can tell you, uh, Congressman Paulson and I had a debate at the Twin West Chamber of Commerce about six weeks ago. Uh, it was about an, probably an hour and 15-minute debate. When I got off of the stage, I looked at my phone, and in that hour and 15 minutes, uh, Paul Manafort had been convicted, uh, Michael Cohn had pleaded guilty, uh, Duncan Hunter in California, Republican congressman, had been charged with campaign finance fraud. And just the week before, Chris Collins, another, another Republican congressman from New York, uh, had been charged with insider trading. Uh, and there is a culture of corruption that is growing. Uh, we need to expose it. And ever since six weeks ago when that happened, uh, the interest in campaign finance reform, ethics reform, uh, has grown considerably. And it is, it is my first priority because unless we address that, None of the issues that are important to people, in my estimation, uh, are going to be solved in Washington. Right. But, you know, with the Supreme Court decision uh, of a number of years ago allowing, you know, th- this unlimited money coming in, I, I, what what can Congress do? I mean, do, do you think that there is something that they can do despite this Supreme Court decision? Yeah, you know, c- Congress, the job of Congress is to pass legislation. Uh, and one of the reasons I'm running for Congress is because Congress is not doing its job. You know, we have a culture of division uh, that has got to be addressed. And the answer is yes, we can do something. Uh, that decision, the Citizens United decision, uh, uh, had great consequences to our country. Uh, and the flow of dark money into our campaigns comprehensively across campaigns all around this country uh, is creating more and more division. It is the source of a lot of the nasty television advertising that we all see on TV. I mean, I can't imagine anybody listening right now uh, can bear to watch television. Uh, and, and I'm one of them, and I'm, of course, the subject of some of these ads. Uh, but we have, a ma- we have a massive problem. And I think voters have got to be made aware of the truth, which is my priority. Uh, and Congress has got to start tackling these problems, starting with the simple, uh, most easy uh, legislation, which would be relative to disclosure and transparency. Because if we as American voters do not know where the money's coming from, uh, the gravity of that uh, and the consequences are very grave. And uh, we've got to address it. Right. Well, certainly uh, there are also been efforts to try and uh, change the situation online and that that's a really grave situation because sure. there are so many ads and so many you know false news stories. I mean the president talks about fake news. There's an awful lot of it on Facebook on on you know all of these different uh, you know Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram and you don't know where it's coming from. And Senator Klobuchar has tried with a bill that she put up, but that didn't go anywhere. And, and in fact, and what other what we also need to recognize is that because of Citizens United, uh, corporations can uh, send a lot of money to super PACs uh, these days, and 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 take out ads if they, uh, you know through PACs and whatnot. And and if we don't know where that money's coming from, we can have foreign owned companies that have U.S. subsidiaries. Uh, that in effect are influencing our elections. And it's happening. That's not hypothetical. That is absolutely happening. Uh, I don't believe this administration is doing enough to address that. I don't believe this Congress is doing enough to address that. Uh, And we Americans have got to demand uh, accountability by those in Washington to ensure that our elections uh, are free and our elections are not being influenced uh, by outside interests because they surely are being uh, influenced by special interests. We're chatting with Dean Phillips. He is the Democratic nominee in the 3rd Congressional District, one of the most contentious races in the state of Minnesota, and we've got a lot of other ones as well. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll chat with uh, Dean Phillips on health care and other issues.
It's uh, 723 in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock. We are chatting with Dean Phillips. He is the Democratic nominee in the 3rd Congressional District. Uh, we will have Congressman Eric Paulson on for an extended interview two weeks from today on this show. Don't have a specific time, but we will have him. And we also are going to hear from uh, Congressman Paulson in, in a few minutes after we wrap up the uh, interview uh, with Mr. Phillips. Uh, we're going to have him on just to address the controversy surrounding uh, an ad, an attack ad he has against uh, Mr. Phillips, uh, making some comments about uh, – uh, that have been very controversial that other members of the Alina board have, have criticized. Uh, but I do want to move on to health care. One of the ads uh, or a number of the ads that, that have been running have criticized you for you're not providing health care for at, at Penny's coffee shops. Uh, you say that you have provided it. Initially, though, it appears that you didn't provide it to part-time employees. Can you kind of clarify what's going on there and, and your, your positions on health care? Absolutely. Uh, starting with pennies, for every organization, as may I've ever managed, I've ever built, uh, has provided health care to our full-time employees. And that includes our family foundation and includes uh, my campaign for Congress. Uh, every full-time staffer is afforded a health care plan. Uh, at Penny's Coffee, when I was interviewed a year and a half ago or even uh, earlier than that, uh, our founding partners, three partners, all had health care from outside uh, pursuits. Uh, and once we hired full-time employees, we started a health care plan. Uh, and that exists to this very day. Uh, we do not provide a health care plan to part-time employees, people who work less than 30 hours a week. Uh, but we pay a $15 minimum wage, which is 50% higher than any coffee shop that we know of in town, uh, plus tips. That's about over $20 an hour so that our part-time staff can actually afford to hopefully buy a plan on the ACA. Uh, that's how we do things. So I take, again, personal offense to Congressman Paulson, who knows that we provide health care to our full-time employees. And this is a man who hasn't worked in, in, a, in a business, uh, maybe for a little bit, uh, many, many years ago. He's never managed a business, has never provided health care or any benefits to anybody. Uh, is frankly on the taxpayer's dime. And I take offense to that as well as may. Uh, in fact, I've worked much of my professional life to try to expand health care to more people in our community through board service uh, on the line of health system, through our family foundation, uh, because we have too many people in our very community who go without health care. And I know we can do better. And that's another reason I'm running for Congress. Let's talk about um, the ACA or Obamacare, because for many uh, self-employed people, uh, many people in rural areas, people who have their own businesses, the premiums have been exorbitant. It's gotten better, but they have been just exorbitant. What do you say about that? Uh, that the ACA is a step in the right direction, but it is imperfect uh, and it needs to be improved. Uh, and should I have the honor of serving in Congress? I, that is my first priority. In fact, I hope to join the Problem Solvers Caucus, which is a bipartisan caucus in Washington, 24 Democrats, 24 Republicans working together to solve issues just like this one. They have some thoughtful solutions to how we can fix the ACA. And that's just a beginning because I believe it's time for our country to make the moral decision to ensure that people have care when they need it, no matter your age or your income or your condition or your geography. We are the only developed nation in the entire world that chooses not to do so. Uh, and I believe the way to achieve that is to expand Medicare as a public buy-in option so that people like me, uh, who might buy insurance on the individual market, have that as an option. I do not want to put private insurers out of business. In fact, I think the great promise of America is competition, the freedom to choose what's best for you, and have options. And the best way to do so is to have a public option. Uh, and I, I clarify that with a buy-in. This is not free health care. This is people who would buy into a public plan 
could amplify it with private insurance if they so choose. And as Medicare could be a stronger program, it could negotiate pharmaceutical pricing. So we could save about $230 billion over 10 years, which is what the CBO estimates. Uh, and right now we subsidize healthcare. Uh, I'm sorry, we subsidize par- pharmaceutical pricing for the entire world. And we, I think as Americans, should be receiving the very best pricing for our, our pres- prescription drugs. And last but not least, and this is where Congress has really dropped the ball, we've got to change our care delivery model in our country because we right now reward, reimburse only for procedures and hospitalizations. We've got to become a country that rewards prevention. And if we choose to start migrating to a prevention-based healthcare system, because right now we have a sick care system, if we choose to do so, we will save money, reduce the cost of care, and I will make the argument that we have the money in the healthcare system right now, enough of it, to care for everybody. It consumes 18% of our economy. It is just that tens of billions of dollars a year are taken off the table in the form of profits before they're delivered in the form of care. I believe we can do better. I know we need to do better, and I'm on a mission to show that we can. All right. Well, Dean Phillips, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Esme. I'm we grateful. certainly appreciate it. Annalise and Jonah, thank you for coming in on a Saturday evening. I'm sure you probably have more exciting places to be. No but, more, uh, <laughs> no, nowhere more exciting than in the CCO studios on a Saturday Absolutely. night. Play a little jazz. There you go. Um, anyway, thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, Esme. We will have an extended interview, as I said, similar to this one with uh, Congressman Eric Paulson two weeks from tonight. I don't have a specific time, folks, but uh, I'll put that on Twitter. And we are expecting to hear from Congressman Paulson about his controversial uh, Alina Health ad uh, that we're going to hear from him in just a few minutes on, on that topic. So keep it here. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll also give you some weather coming up in just a few minutes. It's 7.33 in the Twin Cities, again, 49 degrees. Uh, well, if you're just joining us, uh, in our previous segment, we had we had Dean Phillips, who is running uh, in the 3rd Congressional District. He's the Democratic nominee. And in a couple of weeks, we are going to have an extended interview uh, with Congressman Eric Paulson just about how the race is going and some of the key issues he feels are, are most important. But uh, Congressman Paulson is going to join us right now to talk about an ad that is creating a lot of controversy. Uh, in that ad, uh, Congressman Paulson alleges that Dean Phillips, uh, when he was on the Alina board, did nothing about a sexual harassment case. And Alina board members, at least one Alina board member, has been very critical of the ad, has, as has been the attorney who represented the women who sued Alina. And joining us right now, Congressman Eric Paulson. Congressman Paulson, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, hi, Esme. Yeah, thanks for uh, chatting this evening. Absolutely. And we will have you on. Looking forward to an extended interview in a couple of weeks. But I do want to ask you about this ad because it's very, very unusual, Congressman, to have an ad be criticized not just by the target of the ad, Mr. Phillips, but to have Bill George, the former CEO of Medtronic, calling it Beyond the Pale and uh, having the attorney for these women who sued Alina uh, accusing you of, of using these women as props for political gain. What is the justification for this ad? Well, uh, first of all, I, I would say this, is that uh, Dean, Dean Phillips has repeatedly bragged about being chair of the board of 
at Alina. He bragged about it in our, our very first debate, and he's using it as a qualification for his candidacy. So his actions on the board are a legitimate issue in the campaign. And, you know, I, I respect Bill George. He has the right to his opinion, but I, I'm running against Dean Phillips, and he sat on the board of a company that was being criticized in the press for covering up sexual harassment allegations. Uh, very publicly, it was stated in the news, in the media, in the Star Tribune, and you know, his response is to claim that he knew nothing about it. Um, and I just find that uh, Im- impossible to believe. What do you say, though, to Ms. Peterson? Lori Peterson is certainly known for having you know, filed lawsuits in this case and on behalf of many other women. She's very well known for filing sexual harassment cases, uh, very prominent, and she's saying... Dean Phillips had nothing to do with this and that you are using these women as props for political gain. She, she is really criticizing this ad and saying it, it shouldn't be on. Well, I, I would disagree with her statement that she made because um, Lori Peterson herself said in her original complaint that the board was sent a letter from a whistleblower saying these allegations were being covered up. And then the Star Tribune also reported this. And so that's a little contradictory. And, um, uh, again, this goes back to, again, you know, for Dean Phillips to claim he didn't have knowledge of sexual harassment allegations against the company when you're sitting on the board uh, at that time, and it's being written about in the Star Tribune, uh, and the whistleblower component is being written about where someone on the board was notified and sent a letter, uh, points out uh, the facts. Uh, So in terms of the criticism you're getting from, again, uh parties other than Dean Phillips, uh, it sounds like you're completely standing by this ad. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and just to point, I mean, this is not a single incident with Dean Phillips. You know, he was also running Talenti when an employee was sexually harassed and, and sued the company. And, you know, that, that's just another instance, uh, instance of a company that uh, he was leading that was being accused of, of something similar. Well, I, you know, I, Congressman, I mean, I think it's probably fair to say that any large company is going to get these kinds of lawsuits filed against them. I, I think certainly... Uh, the United States House of Representatives has been sued for, and members have been sued for, you know, sexual harassment. Is that, you know, do you paint the whole company with, with one brush if there's one single lawsuit or a couple of lawsuits? Well, again, this goes back to, you know, Dean Phillips himself repeatedly bragging about being chair of the board at Alina, being on the board of, 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 of Alina. And, uh, and he, he mentioned it prominently in our first debate, using that as a qualification uh, for for uh, uh, for his uh, uh, candidacy. And so I, I think his record should be examined and, and held to account. And that's why I think his actions on the board are are, are legitimate issue uh, to bring up uh, as a part of the campaign. And apparently there are other board members who are also upset about this. Have you talked to any board members yourself other than Mr. George or former board members who have expressed to you their frustration and even their anger with this ad? Well, no, and I understand that, that, that no company or board would, would want to have, you know, an issue brought up or re-brought up that's been in the public in the past. But um, I would also point out that uh, there were other incidences that happened after Phillips' time on the board, demonstrating whatever action that he took uh, on the board uh, for this case obviously didn't prevent it from, from happening again. Are, so are you, are you saying, though, sir, that, that no other former board members – uh, have, have come up to you or, or contacted your office or contacted you directly to express express their displeasure with this particular ad? I, I have not had any contact with anyone, to my knowledge, no. About this? Correct. Um, 
in terms of um, overall how the race is going, um, a couple of national um, ratings agencies have, have kind of put this now to leaning Democratic. How confident are you that, that you will win re-election? Well, I, uh, th- these races are always very competitive, as you well know, as me, and you've covered these races over the years, uh, and, and, and I always run hard no matter what. And it is, it is a very competitive race. Um, there's no doubt about that. And I think it's similar to what we saw just even two years ago when I think there were about $5 million in negative ads from PACs and other groups that were spent to get me against me, and, and that's happening again. I think there are six separate different PACs right now that are spending those dollars against me, and, you know, Dean is certainly welcoming those millions of dollars in negative ads. In fact, just today, I would say there was a very disgusting mailer that was mailed out across the district trying to claim that I support the separation of families at the border, which, which is totally opposite of my position. Well, there's uh, usually a is – this, is, this, is this a mailer coming directly from Mr. Phillips, or is it coming from a third party? It's actually a mailer with no disclaimer uh, to help, help Dean Phillips, which uh, would be an illegal mailing. Actually, yeah. And so there are six PACs that are spending money on, on television ads and others on, on his behalf right now. Right. But that's not something that the, the Phillips campaign controls. There are also uh, a number of PACs that are spending money on, on your behalf. Yeah, there are two, correct. Yeah. Right. And so that, that's something that's happening certainly in, in, in all of these high-profile campaigns. But again, sir, you, you basically are, are strongly backing this ad that is running and, and you feel it is an ad that is justified. Yes, absolutely. And again, uh, this is you know brought up, I think, from Dean's perspective of repeatedly using this as a qualification and bragging about, hey, I've been chair of the board of the line. I've been on these boards. I've been on this board, and uh, significant, uh, and that's a significant component of his record that should be examined. All right. Well, Congressman Eric Paulson, thank you so much for joining us, and we will uh, look forward to having uh, a more extended interview with you in, in a couple of weeks. Okay. Thanks, Esme. All right. Thank you, Congressman. Yep. All right, that is Congressman uh, Eric Paulson uh, strongly defending this ad despite the fact that the ad is being criticized by uh, a a prominent board member who's not affiliated with the Dean Phillips campaign, Bill George, the former CEO of Medtronic, who is also a tenured uh, professor at the Harvard Business School, and also uh, Congressman defending it even though the attorney for the women who sued – is sharply criticizing the ad and accusing the congressman of using the women she represented as props uh, for political purposes. Uh, So that is something uh, that obviously the congressman is sticking to his guns on that. Uh, And obviously the voters will get to decide on this. But this is something that um, we will be discussing tomorrow on the new politics show. It's a new show uh, with Pat Kessler and myself. Uh, and that is at 10.30 a.m. on WCCO television. So please tune in uh, for that. We're going to be talking about a lot of other topics as well, but please tune in for that. Um, well, anyway, Esme Murphy with you until uh, 9 o'clock. Uh, coming up in our 8 o'clock hour, as always, Professor David Schultz of Hamlin University. Uh, we'll be talking about this very topic uh, as well as a number of other races. I was up in the 8th Congressional District, which, boy, uh, that is a hot race as well. Uh, that, of course, is the race between Joe Rudinovich and Pete Stauber to replace Congressman Rick Nolan. Uh, but we do have to take a break because we are going to be joined by Bill Cooper. He is the managing director at the Twin Cities Film Fest, TCFF. And that just keeps getting bigger and better every year. It's kicking off later this week. And there are so many movies 
uh, so many films, short films, all different kinds of films, and he'll tell you how you can sort through it and figure out you know, which films you might be interested in and which films you might want to go see. So let's take a quick break. We'll be joined by Bill after this on News Radio 830 WCCO. All right, folks, we are changing gears. Twin Cities Film Fest. How cool is this festival? It gets bigger and better every single year. Bill Cooper is the managing director, and he joins us right now. Bill, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, I am so uh, glad to be here talking to you. As a man, congratulations to you and Pat Kessler for your uh, political show. Oh, well, thank you very much. That's very well, sweet of you. Well, it's a political time of the year, and uh, you're... You, it's a great show. So well, thank you so much. Give you yes. Um, let me ask you, Twin Cities Film Fest. How can people find out about all the films that you're that you've got, and and how can they kind of get deals and figure out how they can get tickets because you've got so many. Oh yeah. Um, first of all, all our information is on our website at twincitiesfilmfest.org. We have a total of almost 130 films. That's about 70 features, 57 shorts. And on the website, obviously, there are trailers, there's um, synopsis, uh, all that kind of stuff as well. And our tickets run $12 for a typical ticket at the festival, but we also sell passes. Many many festivals uh, really rely on passes where you can get tickets as low as $8 a film if you buy a certain number of tickets. Right. So that's pretty much the basics. And when does the festival run from? Yeah, it starts this uh, Wednesday, the 17th, and it runs through the 27th. So it's 11 days. We also are collaborating with the Twin Cities Jewish Film Festival, and they actually have a couple films that play on the 28th. So it's 11 or a 12-day festival, depending on uh, right. the films that you see. And, and the venues, it's pretty spread out. Uh, well, it, it, it isn't actually in a sense that the bulk of our films, all except three films, play at the Showplace Icon Theaters. It's important for us to take people's art and, uh, and films and play them at a great theater. And if you've been to the Icon, you know it's... Uh, comfortable seats and great projection. So most of our films are all there. Just, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, just three of them are at Jewish community centers. Oh, okay. And yeah. the, sh- the show place icon at, at St. Louis Park? In St. Louis Park, yeah. All right. No, that is that is a great uh, theater and, as you said, very comfortable seats and, and great to see uh, the movies. Oh, yeah. On. Are, are there some movies that, that were sort of more difficult to get? I mean, is it how do you go about sort of getting these, this kind of lineup? Oh, Sure. Well, I think there's a couple uh, a couple ways of getting them. Number one, there's a there's a whole group of us that uh, deal with programming and finding films and getting films. And I'm going to start out with our studio films. They tend to get a lot of attention just because of um, Oscar buzz for them and different things. And so our executive director, Jaden Satia, has worked really diligently with getting uh, um, to know folks and to create relationships with A24 and focus features and uh, Paramount and different theaters or uh, distribution places. And so they're, they come to us with their films oftentimes and uh, we get to play them. So that's a good thing. A lot of it is also timing. Many of the features that we have, like Green Book and um, some of those, they're all going to be distributed in November, December, January. So 
these studio studio films they uh they like to get them to to film festivals so that people kind of create buzz and all that kind of stuff. The bulk of our films, however, are American independent films, and those all come through a submission process where filmmakers will make a film and then they will put it up on a or uh, film sites like Film Freeway or Without a Box. Then we have a group of people that watch them and then select them. Some of them are harder to get though because it always depends on the year and when they're available and different things like that. Has the technology allowed more people to really go out and, and make a film? In, in other words, yes. the, the technology oh. is, 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 you know, not, not that, I mean, obviously there, there are differences in, in quality, but really mm-hmm. for, for not that much, relatively speaking, you can get some pretty decent equipment. And if you've got sort of a, <clears throat> a, a basic computer with, with some pretty good <laughs> editing software, it, it seems a lot more accessible than it used to be. Oh, completely. Oh, my gosh. Some films I played at Sundance were shot on an iPhone, you know. So, really? Oh, yeah. oh completely. Um, not that we have one like that, but, oh, no, you're absolutely right. Technology has changed immensely that allows people, um, basically with a camera that's less than $1,000 or something and editing equipment on their on their desktop at home, you can come up with a pretty, pretty decent film with, with digital. And again, we call them all films, but not many films are really made with films anymore. It's all digital technology. So from in the big picture, we love that because it allows more stories to be told, access to more stories. At the same time, it also makes, once you make a story, and I'm a filmmaker myself and other people involved in the festival are filmmakers, once you have a film, now there's so many different places you can put it. Hulu, Netflix, video on demand and all that stuff. But our hope with the festival is that people keep keep paying the money and parking their car and buying popcorn and sitting together and watching a movie. That's that's our big deal. So and, and the range of films, it, it's almost like yeah. there's there's something for everyone here, for from yeah, the documentaries okay. yep. to Yep. It, as long as people I mean again, there's different types of festivals. Sometimes if you go to um the black film festival or a horror film festival you get sort of niche stuff. We tend to be American independent, and we also tend to be mainstream. Although, you know, we're close to Halloween, so we have some, some fun Halloween films. But <laughs> okay. we get everything from uh, 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 Time for Ilhan, which is a political documentary about Ilhan Omar's sort of rise to, uh, to um, state, the state legislature, and of course now with, with other political aspirations in, under her. And Oh yeah, and documentaries are a big part of our festival. We do... Uh, family-friendly sort of stuff. We have a cause every year, so we have um, five or six films that are all related to animal um, humanity, um, kind of the human-animal connection and stuff. So, oh, yeah, it's it, there's a big variety, something for everyone. Well, that's, that, that sounds so cool. And again, um, the, the website, which is, you know, I'm looking at right now, TwinCitiesFilmFest.org. .org, and yep. in terms of um, actually purchasing tickets, is yep. that something that, that people can do right on the website? Right on the website. You can also download our app. <clears throat> we have the good fortune of being very married to the Icon Theater, so our ticketing all goes through them. Um, we collaborate with them, obviously, and so it's pretty much reserved seating, just like when you go to a regular movie. We show up on their website. We show up you know, in the ticketing arcade sort of area of it as well. And, of course, we have a red carpet. So we have parties every night. You know, A lot of people... Um, besides the films, come to the film for, you know, the total film experience so that 60 or 70 percent of our films all have the filmmaker there or actors there or the subject of a documentary. We have a slate of 10 Jewish films, and many of those have um, 
notable people that will be doing talkbacks afterwards. So, yeah, come watch a good film. Come stay at a network with us. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun time. And you also have on your website a, a chance to become a member, and that, that yeah. actually gives you special opportunities. Tell us about yeah, that. I sure can. Like many most um, nonprofit arts organizations, which the Twin Cities Film Fest is, you know, like the Arboretum or the Walker or the History Center, we rely heavily on having memberships. And our memberships, you can get them as little as $100 a year, um, much like NPR or any of those. And what our members get, I think one of the most important things is they get to buy tickets early. So as tickets went for sale to the general public a while back, two weeks ago or so, our members actually got to buy tickets uh, several days prior to that. Um, they also get a discount on merchandise, a discount on passes. We have member screenings throughout the year. We do put a lot of effort into our 11-day festival, but we also have screenings and special events every month of the year, and many of them are member screenings, so you can go and you don't have to pay a thing. So, yeah, I think we treat our members pretty well. All right, and also certainly a lot of volunteer opportunities. Oh, it must yeah. take a village to put this on. I, I mean, tell us about that. Oh, Sure. Um, when you have something like 11 days and all of this, these films and stuff, um, we have a very small professional staff that puts it together. Basically, myself and Jaden Satia are sort of the full-time people, although we do have other things going on as well. And we have three or four sort of part-time people and then contract people. And then we probably use 80 to 100 volunteers just to take tickets to help run our um, networking events, to stuffing filmmaker bags, to... Um, we have uh, photographers, you know, we have volunteer photographers, we have a lead photographer, volunteer photographers, social media team, mostly volunteer. We have hosts at the red carpet that are all volunteers. So, yeah, they do get, uh, if you volunteer four hours, you get a free ticket to one of the screenings. So a lot of people do it because they love to volunteer, but they also know that they can see movies. So it's actually ideal for right. students. So, so you, you only get just a couple of people that are full-time staff? Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Our executive director, myself, I'm the managing director. Um, we do have an office administrator that works part-time. We have an education coordinator. There's a big component of education with our festival as well, um, which happens at a lot of festivals, but we go above and beyond. We have a college and career day for filmmakers. We have a filmmaker brunch. We have free workshops for people. We have a Best Buy Free Day, which is basically a free day for kids to come and watch a family-friendly shorts block and then learn how to make movies and trailers with Apple equipment. So, Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah it is very cool. I, I think of us as being a really – we're going to have a, a, a horror fashion show. and Oh, really? Adopt a pet. Yeah, well, again, we're using <laughs> – Secondhand Hounds is one of our oh, – that's, that's a great organization. Oh, yeah. Well, again, um, Animal Humanity is our cause this year. And every year we have a different cause because we know the power of film, the power to make people think and feel and, and change. And so we usually partner up with an organization or two that sort of really support that um, cause. And, again, we've had bullying and uh, homelessness and different things. And this year it's Animal Humanity. And Secondhand Hounds is doing helping with some screenings, and they're also having a pet adoption event. So come to a movie and adopt a pet. Okay, well that's great, and that again, huh. it's a that's an organization that I'm very familiar with, and they do, oh, do a great yeah. job. Well, listen, um, the website, folks, TwinCitiesFilmFest.org. It has all the information about passes yep. and the movies and free educational events and all, all the other extras that you can take part in. So uh, good luck with it. I'm sure it's going to be an absolute success. 
Oh, we're very excited. We have a lot of celebrities coming as well. Please, uh, please join us. Okay, celebrate, absolutely. Celebrate film. All right, Bill Cooper uh, from the Twin Cities Film Fest. And as I said, it gets bigger and better every single year. Well, folks, Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock. Um, coming up in our next hour, we'll have Professor David Schultz to break down the latest in political news. is uh, very critical. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.